1: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: 125-120, and the ballgame is over. Bulls win, Bulls win, Bulls win. Back-to-back games against Dallas and Houston, respectively, Bulls get it done, 125 to 120.
3: Bulls basketball that you hear right here on The Score with Chuck Swirsky and Bill Wennington has been pretty good. It's It's been different and better and watchable and high-scoring and, dare I say... Pretty interesting. So let's talk about it with one of our favorite Bulls guests on these airwaves, Mark Schanowsky, who covers the Bulls for Stadium Sports. He's on Twitter at Mark Schinowski and is on the Alpamati Nissan hotline, Alpamati Nissan on North Avenue in Melrose Park or at apnissan.com. How you been,
2: Mark? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, congratulations on the new show. You know, I've uh, discussed and debated topics with Layla in the newsroom over the years. Dan, you've got your hands full.
3: Oh, in only the best way. Trust me. <laughs> Be- believe me. Believe me. We know. The, uh... So you have been <laughs> watching this team a long time. You saw it during the, uh, the dark days of the Boylan era, and as they emerge from it now, how encouraged are you by what we're seeing?
2: Very much so. You know, you mentioned the dark days, and it was a very bad chapter in Bulls history to have a coach who just was in over his head. And now with Billy Donovan running a real NBA system where he tries to cater his offense to the talents of the players on the roster, what a novel concept. And it's, it's working very well. You're seeing guys really play into their strengths. He knows how to use Thad Young as a veteran off the bench, take advantage of his low post ability and his his ability to pass out of the post as well. He's trying to get Wendell Carter Jr. more involved, and and we've seen the best of Zach Levine right now. So the arrow is definitely pointing up. They're certainly not a juggernaut right now, but they're trending in the right direction.
4: It's good to talk to you, Mark. Yes, Layla,
2: congratulations. So happy for you.
4: Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, I, I'm, I do miss talking to you in, the, you in the newsroom. You might not, but I still do. <laughs> uh, I have really enjoyed your observations, especially some of the nuggets that you just dropped on Twitter because you succinctly put into words what we're seeing as far as the improvement out of the Bulls is concerned. I, I love how they're using Thad Young now. And then also just Zach Levine is on such a tear. How do you describe how efficient he is right now?
2: Well, I think that he kind of had a come-to-Jesus meeting with Billy Donovan, and Billy just told him that, you know, listen, you've been talking a lot about wanting to change your game and wanting to be a winning ball player. Well, let's see it on the court. Uh, Zach has been a guy that always could score points easily. Right now he ranks fifth in the NBA in scoring, but his efficiency is so much better right now. He's shooting almost 50% from the field, about 39% from the three-point line, and he's making a bigger commitment on the defensive end. I mean, the thing that he always – to get caught on was like the the grade school habit of watching the ball and getting back cut for an easy basket and i think now billy's getting him to buy into the team concept that you know zach has said for the last couple of years the only way i'm going to get all-star recognition or all the individual honors that i want is for my team to win well that sounded kind of hollow when you're, te- you're on a team with 22 victories he's got to prove it that he can be a player that contributes to winning and to this point You know, he's trying to change his game so that the Bulls can be more successful. And they've given away a couple of games this season. Otherwise, you know, they'd be over 500. And I think they'd be getting more recognition around the league.
3: He has an an issue now with trying to dole out minutes with what is now becoming a complete roster, because Thomas Sadaransky and Chandler Hutchison are back after their respective bouts of COVID, and they return to the roster. They bring all those syllables in their names back to the roster right now. But it, it seemed like he had a nice little rotation going with Garrett Temple playing a big role and Gafford off the bench doing some things how How would you sort of experiment here? How would you find some correct combinations here and whose minutes are going to suffer with the return of these two?
2: Well, I think the worst thing Billy could do right now is try to cater to everybody on the roster and play 12 guys. That just doesn't work at any level, especially in the NBA. And I think he's going to have to decide which players are most important. What I would do is focus on those four veterans off the bench, assuming that Patrick Williams stays in the starting lineup, which I think he should. Then you've got Sato, you've got Temple, you've got Thad Young, and who am I forgetting? You've got, you know, you've got a, a pretty good mix of veterans you can bring off the bench. You spot play Daniel well, Auto Porter time. would be Auto Porter, your right? Would be coming right. off the bench. So, you, you know, that way, don't try to. Force in Denzel Valentine and Ryan Archie Diacono and and be careful how you use Gafford because I think he can be a good energy guy off the bench when you're playing, you know, a big who's in the six ten to seven foot range. If they're going with a smaller lineup, go ahead. You can play Lowry Mark and in backup center minutes. You can play Thad Young in small ball five lineups, and you know, don't try to use too many guys because I think that kind of muddies it up a little bit. Um, you know, I think the reason I forgot Otto Porter is he's always hurt, and and that's that's a larger issue with him. But I think that he's got to be careful and trying to make everybody happy, play your best eight or nine guys, go that way. And I think that's the way you'll get the most consistent play, because turnovers have been a big issue for the Bulls. And one of the reasons for that is you've got that ever-changing rotation.
4: Yeah, that's probably the biggest problem that we're seeing right now. I know it's something that we think is going to get ironed out as the season goes on. How long do you think it's going to take, Mark, to where we see – this team looked like a team that's not just trying to learn Billy Donovan's system, but really put it together. I mean, teams always say it takes a few months, but I feel like we're already starting to see some flashes of that now. Turnovers might just be something we have to put up with until until the uh, kinks get ironed out.
2: Yeah, what a change it is from a year ago when they were competent on the defensive end, although that uh, blitzing pick-and-roll coverage got them in trouble a lot of times, but they really struggled on the offensive end. This year, right now, they rank fourth in the NBA in scoring at 117.5 points, and that's quite a change from a year ago. I think they're doing very well with the offensive system. What we've seen is a lot of off-the-ball movement. You know, In the Boylan system, they were just running high screen and roll, hoping that somebody could get into the paint and kick it out for a three-point shot. Now we're seeing actually some action off the ball like competent NBA teams do. You see... Uh, Staggered screens on the weak side, guys coming off that. Lowry Markin has been able to the, catch the ball and the move and get to the rim, get more free throws. It's just a, a much better offensive system to watch. I think they're already picking up pretty well. The key is going to be to cut down on those turnovers. We've seen a lot of games, you know, where Kobe White and Zach Levine combined for ten turnovers, and, and that that number has to come down if they're going to be able to hang with the better teams in the league.
3: And you mentioned Ryan Archer and he's a guy that I watch sort of as as a, as a barometer because jim boylan was a guy who ended up with a bit of an addiction to archie because he can make you look smarter because he's going to be in the right place He's, he's going to take care of the ball, even though he has trouble getting it up court. The, t- he's, the number of times he turns his back to the defender when he's bringing the ball up court is just comical to me. Because if he doesn't, he's going to get it taken from him. And he knows it. But he, I do think that there's a, there, there, a coach can over-rely on that because of his comp- it, You almost get a... It's he's almost too competent. And then you forget that he can't finish at the rim and there's not a lot of stuff he can do athletically. So the, the less he plays, I think the more a, a sign of growth it is on this team that a coach doesn't feel he has to have him on the floor to get done what he needs to get done. Does that make any sense?
2: Yeah, and then during the period when they really didn't have a backup point guard on the roster because both uh, Thomas Sadaransky and Archie Diakono were out because of the health and safety protocols, you know, they really struggled. Zach Levine was, in effect, their backup point guard, and he is turnover prone. So I think that when Archie came back and was eligible, You know, Billy kind of relied on him to play those backup point guard minutes. And in looking at the numbers, he has the best assist-to-turnover ratio on the team at something like 5-to-1, which is fantastic, but that is a limited sample size. Now with Sadoransky coming back, hopefully playing tomorrow night against Charlotte, you know, he's a guy at 6'6", 6'7", who gives you positional size, who can hit the spot-up shot, which is important in any offense, especially now. You know, we've got penetrators like Kobe White and Zach Levine. I think Sataransky has real value for this team, although in saying that, I think he's also probably one of the most likely trade candidates because he would also have value on a contender. It's gonna be fascinating to see what they do as we approach the, the late March trading deadline because they do have some pieces that would fit on a contending team and it's gonna be up to the front office to decide what's more important right now, trying to eke into a play in playoff spot or you know, try to get a draft pick for the future. And and I, I think the answer is you have to keep trying to improve the roster because, you know, outside of Patrick Williams uh, Levine and, and and maybe Kobe. I don't know if there's anybody on this team that you'd say, well, I really don't want to trade that guy.
4: Wow, so you're including Markin in that?
2: Well, I would trade Markin if the right deal was there, because when you look at what's going to happen at the end of the season with him being a restricted free agent. He's, he and his agent are going to want a contract that is probably starting at $20 million per season, and I don't think that really most people around the NBA would say that he's that caliber of player. The, the problem that, that's going to present itself for, for AK and Mark Eversley is the fact that this free agent class for 2021 has really been watered down with all the big-name extensions that have been signed this year. So I don't think the, the old formula of drafting and, and hoping you have cap space to get a free agent is going to work. The next great player, the Bulls acquire, I think, will be through a trade. So if you can get in on a reasonable contract, we found over the last couple of years any contract in the NBA can be moved. If you can trade Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook and their $40 million-plus contracts, you can trade anybody. So I think it's important to have contracts on your books that you can use in a package deal to acquire that star because, as we see – You know, stars are are asking for trades and getting them almost automatically. You know, Giannis uh, agreed to that five-year deal in Milwaukee, but who's to say in two years he doesn't ask for a trade as well?
3: So I think to me it comes down to what do I believe Zach Levine is and how close is he to the final product? I think the boiling years obviously stunted his growth. He, there, you can build in a lot of excuses for a guy who is still very young but is, what, in his seventh NBA season already, right. even at this young age. And his athleticism is remarkable. He has had that first serious injury already, so that you know, we can we can check that box, and he's he has rebounded from that. I guess it, it, that feet to the fire, Mark. I would say that I'm not a believer. Th- that I, I love watching Zach Levine play and he, can, he is a, a really entertaining athlete, but I don't think he's going to be the best player or maybe even the second best player on a championship team. And now it's figuring out what the Bulls think as opposed to what the rest of the league thinks. How do you assess his current and future value?
2: Well, I think it's great that a fresh set of eyes is taking a look at Zach Levine with a clean slate. You know, we've talked about Karnishev is coming in and... and you know, being given the marching orders to affect change, and that means looking at every player on the roster with a critical eye and deciding, can this player be part of a future championship team? And over the course of this season, they'll get a thorough evaluation of whether or not he fits, you know, the vision they have for a winning basketball team, and and they'll just make that decision based on what they see, not on numbers, not on the stats that he puts up. I'm a big Zach Levine fan, Dan. I, I think that he can be that second-best player on a championship team. He is an elite scorer. He, he can he can get that shot off easily. Um, you know, sometimes his biggest issues are with seeing the court well, late-game situations, and, and I thought it was a great sign of growth the other night against Houston where he made the extra pass to Lowry Market and hit that clinching three. We saw in the recent road trip in Los Angeles where he tried to play hero ball down the stretch, missed shots, and the Bulls weren't able to get would have been big victories over either the Lakers or Clippers. Uh, Zach has shown a lot of growth this year. I think he's improved every season. He's been with the Bulls. These should be his best years right now. And if he can buy into the system that Billy Donovan is preaching, I think he can be a very valuable asset. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, give him away. If you can find the right trade, I don't think anybody on this team should be untouchable. But I think that Zach Levine can be part of the next really good Bulls team.
4: It's interesting you bring up the L.A. trip because – I was saying to myself, okay, this is what you want. If I have the game on the line, I want the ball in Zach Levine's hands. And you're saying, not necessarily the case. Lyra Markkinen should be able to be trusted in these situations as well.
2: Well, the funny thing is when you watch those games, it kind of reminded me of the old uh, movie Hoosiers where you know they ran the picket fence. Uh, and then in the late-game situation, <laughs> Jimmy Chitwood says, give me the ball, I'll make it. You know, And, and, and I kind of have visions of that with Zach. And when you look at those games, he had 38 points against the Lakers. He had 45 points, including 10 three-pointers against the Clippers. He took a really high degree of difficulty shot in the Clipper game. There was a screen set for him at the top of the key. Both players went to Zach, and he shot it anyway, and it was an air ball. The shot he got against the Lakers was a step back, too, which would have tied the game. I thought that was an okay shot. But, you know, Zach has been one of the most polarizing figures in, in recent Bulls history. Some fans absolutely love him, and, and some fans think they've got to get him out of town if they're going to become a winning basketball team. As I mentioned earlier, I think, I think Zach can be a part of this. I think that he has to improve his recognition of what's going on in those late-game situations, and it was a great sign in the game against Houston where he made the extra pass and marked it and hit the big shot. He had 10 assists in the game against Dallas on Sunday, only took eight shots from the field. I think he's slowly starting to see that if he really wants to live up to what he's talked about, you know, in terms of uh, uh, walking the walk and talking the talk, he, he has to make sure that he does a better job in late game situations. And, you know, grudgingly, I think he always believes that, that he can get a one on one move and score over anybody. But he, I think he's beginning to understand that what Donovan's preaching is there's four other guys on the court, make sure you use those guys too.
3: Well, I think it's also trusting the continuity action of a given set, where in a, in a boiling quote-unquote, offense, like you say, it's dribble, dribble, dribble. Somebody comes up to screen, and then the pick-and-roll is either for the shooter or it's, it's for the screener, and everybody else is kind of standing there. If Levine starts with the ball, it used to be if he gives it up, he's unlikely to get it back. And that's not the case now, because what they're doing now rewards – your movement after you pass the ball, and if you if you're if you're you don't have to hurry. You know, Twenty four seconds is a lot of time, and I think if he just realizes that in a properly functioning offense, you can pass it away, go where you're supposed to go, and if things are working correctly, that thing might just find you for a two handed alley oop, and you get your and one. That that it's it, it's knowing that it's everything's designed to reward you for doing the right things to keep getting open.
2: Yeah, that's an excellent point because there is good continuity in the Billy Donovan offensive system. We've seen numerous occasions where a player will make the initial pass will cut through the paint, go to the opposite corner. The ball will swing around with three or four passes. You catch the ball in that short corner and have a wide-open three. Garrett Temple has yeah. taken mm-hmm. advantage of that. He's been a very important asset because not only does he bring quality leadership, but he's a really smart basketball player. You know, he, he knows how, how the offensive system should be run. Uh, Thad Young is a good play, uh, passer out of the mid-post who can set up three-point shooters. I think Sadaransky coming back will help that second unit as well. And, and Otto Porter is a good spot-up shooter. So they have the pieces on the roster right now, where they can get open shots. And as you mentioned, Zach does not have to play hero ball. It's one thing to say, well, I made 10 threes, so it's so I'm going to shoot this, you know, come hell or high water. We saw, you know, with Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time, you live with that. With Zach Levine, move the ball and get yourself in a position where maybe it comes back to you. <laughs>
4: Salient point, Mark. As
2: <laughs> it's never fair to compare anybody to Michael Jordan, but that just popped into my head. Mm. I,
4: I, hey, man. I, when I the, when the comparison greatest is obvious? Time, yeah, come
2: on. Yeah,
3: I, I, I think, I, I think I've, I've effectively moved him off greatest player of all time at this point. I mean, oh, was, is that right?
2: Yeah. You're in the LeBron camp now. Okay. I mean, yeah, when, the, when, he's, when he's done, obviously he'll have all, all the counting stats and the things he's done in, with the different franchises has been pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, it's 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 the the everything. I mean, the all of it. And at his what he's doing at his age is if you remember how Jordan looked at that sure. age too. And I know that one guy wasn't always you know playing thirty six holes of golf and drinking half a bottle of scotch and smoking six cigars every night. and That uh, <laughs> it tends it tends to wear on you. But you know you only live once, and you, if you want to live your life, live your life. You know, play black you know, The, the thing that more. struck me
2: too later in LeBron's career is his teammates love him, and I you know, know you, you see that that way. You know the other night where he hit the three-point shot and turned and faced the bench and everybody went crazy when, he, when the three went through. It just seems like, you know, he's 36. Yeah, he's the gray beard on the roster, but, it, but, it's, but he's a young guy in the terms of the way he lives his life and his teammates just seem to love him. He seems to be able to galvanize whatever roster he's on. And, and you know, Jordan, you know, trudged through his career and, and, and didn't have a, you know, when you talk to a lot of his old teammates, they'll say, yeah, he was great, but, you know, <laughs> we didn't really have a great relationship with him, you know, off the floor.
3: Absolutely, no doubt. Mark, always appreciate you taking the time. It's always a joy to talk hoops with you. Thank you.
2: It was so much fun being with you, Layla. Uh, we'll have to catch up, and good luck with the new show, and, and anytime you need me, I'm available.
4: Good. We'll,
3: we'll take We'd love to, and that. you
4: always bring it.
2: Thank you very much. I enjoyed
3: it. Mark Shanowski of Stadium Sports.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?